Today we're going to continue in this series called Peace, Love, and Happiness. And you know, as you can tell from the series graphic, the series is based on uh, the 60s. You know, there was a, a countercultural movement that rose up on college campuses in the 60s. And it was called the hippie movement. And it was very obvious who was in that movement uh, between their clothing, their hairstyles, their music, their lifestyles, their politics, their slogans, even their transportation. I mean, if you've ever seen one of those uh, hippie buses, I think you probably would know pretty much where those folks stand. And not only their, their slogans, but their symbols identified them as adherents to that movement. Probably the peace sign being uh, the most prominent and well-known symbol of that movement in the 60s. But you know, there's another countercultural movement that has a symbol that marks its adherence. And this movement goes back over 2,000 years. It's the movement the, the Lord Jesus Christ began. And all of his followers are marked by this major symbol that begins their public declaration of faith in Jesus, and it's called baptism. For over 2,000 years, people who have identified with Jesus Christ have followed through in what we call believer's baptism. One of the joyous things we do in our church is what we call beach baptism. We, we try to do that every year. Here's a picture of some folks who were uh, doing baptism uh, just a, a year or so ago. And what a wonderful, joyous time that was. And baptism is what I want to talk to you about today because part of finding peace, love, and happiness in this life is connecting your life with Jesus. We just believe that your life is better with Jesus. And one of the ways that we identify ourselves as followers of Jesus is through baptism. So today's message is simply titled, Baptism, Going All In for Him. And I want to kind of clarify what baptism is and maybe dispel some myths about baptism. In fact, my hope and prayer today is that someone who has yet to go public with their faith in Jesus through baptism will say, you know what, I'm doing it. I'm going to go all in for him. I'm going to go all in for Jesus. Now, baptism can be a strange thing if you're new to the church. I have a friend who came to our church one time. She uh, was from a different uh, denomination who did not practice uh, baptism by immersion in water. And so she came to our church, and for the first time in her life, she looked around and saw people with their Bibles, and they were following along as I preached. And then we had a baptismal service right here, and she said, I almost ran out your back door when I saw you guys putting somebody under the water. I didn't know what that was about. I'd never seen that before, and it was just very strange to me. Maybe if you're new to the church and you've seen baptisms, you think, what is that about? That is just weird. Taking a person and placing them underwater and bringing them back up, that is just strange. Well, I want you to understand why we do it. In fact, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, Jesus has been crucified and resurrected, and he will soon go back to his Father in heaven. So he gathers his followers together on a mountainside, and he sends them out into the world with a job description, with a task. 
In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus said to them, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Here, here's the word. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then Jesus said, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But the reason we baptize people who become followers of Jesus is because that's what Jesus told us to do. As a matter of fact, he didn't just tell us to do it. He didn't suggest that we do it. It is a command in the verb that he uses. We are to go and obey his command to make disciples of people from all nations. The good news of Jesus' love and his sacrificial death on the cross of Calvary and his resurrection from the dead and his power to forgive us of our sins and to make us right with God the Father is a message the whole world needs to hear. And Jesus sent us out into the whole world to share this good news. In fact, I want to thank you for the way you send out the gospel of Jesus around the world through mission efforts and through community partnerships. In fact, did you know in the last 10 years, you guys, through your regular giving, when you put money in our offering plate, I don't know if you know this or not, but we take a large percentage of that and we send it all over the world to missionaries. In the last 10 years, you guys have given over $2 million directly to missionaries all over the world who are telling people about Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Let's give God a hand for that. And the reason we do it is because Jesus commanded us to go into all the nations and to make disciples by telling them about Jesus, inviting them to put their confidence in him. And when they trust him as their Lord and Savior, that initial symbolic initiation into the group of followers of Jesus is called baptism. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism has taken on this spiritual connotation because of what Jesus has commanded us to do. But really, the Greek word for baptize or baptizing in the New Testament was a common word already in use in the Greek culture centuries ago. And it was not a significantly religious word. It was just a very common word. And it was a word that meant to wash. And Baptism is a symbolic washing away of our sins when we place our faith in Jesus. And it's our identification with Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Now, there were other washings that were ceremonially a part of religion. For example, if you were a Gentile, you were not a Jew, but you had learned more about Jews and you had lived with them in the first century and there you are in Jerusalem and you've got some good friends there. You're in business and you have a lot of associations with the Jewish people. And they invite you to learn more about the one true living God. And there comes this moment in your life as a man, you say, I don't think I believe in these pagan gods of Rome anymore. I think the Jews have the truth that there's one God. And I'm drawn to Judaism and I want to learn more about this one true living God. And maybe you asked your Jewish friend, can I become a Jew? And they would say, well, yes, absolutely you can. You can convert to Judaism. Well, what do I need to do to convert to Judaism? 
Well, one of the things you'll need to do is you'll need to uh, submit your life to the law of Moses, the Old Testament law of Moses. That's now going to become the rule of life for you. Okay? All right, I'm going to write that down. All right, submit to the law of Moses. What else do I need to do? Well, you're going to have to offer a sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, offer a sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem. Sounds good. What else do I need to do? Well, there's a ceremonial meal that you're going to have to participate in. Okay, ceremonial. I like food, uh, so I can handle that. Ceremonial meal. All right, there, there's a ceremonial uh, surgery you're going to have to go through. Okay, okay what do you mean surgery? Well, as a man, um, how can we put this? Uh, to become a Jew, you're going to... Um, come on, just go out and say it. I want to put it on my task list. You're going to need to be circumcised. Uh, what? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to have to be circumcised because that is the symbol of what it means to be a follower of the one true living God, a child of Abraham. Okay, let me get back with you on that. I'm going to have to think a little more before I convert uh, to Judaism. And then your friend would probably say, well, there's one more thing you're going to have to do. You're going to have to submit yourself to a ceremonial washing. You're going to have to dip yourself in water, symbolizing that you no longer identify with your pagan and sinful past. Now you identify with the one true living God. And you're cleansed from your past. And you have this new beginning. And so there you are, recognizing that probably the word your Jewish friend in the first century would use in Greek is the same word we use today, this word baptize. In the Greek, it's baptizo or bapto, and it simply means to, to wash, it means to dip, it means to plunge or to immerse or to submerge. And that's just what the word meant. It meant that in secular usage in the Greek culture. The word baptizo would be used in Greek language to talk about a ship that would sink under the waves of the sea. It was baptizo. It went under the water. Uh, it would be used of someone taking a piece of cloth and dipping it in a vat of dye in order to change the color. They would submerge it in that vat of dye. The word baptizo would be used of of ceremonial washing or just regular washing, dipping yourself in a tub of water. It was even used by a Greek philosopher and poet, Nicanor, who, who gave us a recipe for making pickles. I mean, he, he gave us a recipe for making pickles back in about 200 B.C., and, and even back then, he used the word baptizo to talk about submerging a cucumber in boiling water and then taking it out and then plunging it and submerging it and soaking it in vinegar. Same word. Now, the, the pickle didn't become religious. It was not a religious word. It just meant to dip or to plunge or to wash. That's all the word meant. But the word could also be used by religious people to symbolize a ceremonial washing. And where some of the confusion has come over the last 2,000 years is in your New Testament, sometimes that word of the Greek baptizo is translated, taking the Greek word and using an English word in its place. So baptizo, and then we will translate it into English, and it would mean wash or dip but other times in your New Testament, the word wasn't translated, it was transliterated. They would take the word out of the Greek and put it in English. 
And so sometimes you read your New Testament and the word in the Greek is changed to wash. Other times it's just left baptized. Let me give you an example of that. Luke chapter 11, verses 37 and 38 uses the word baptizo. Uh, In fact, in Luke chapter 11, verse 37, it says, While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at table. Verse 38, the Pharisee was astonished to see that he, Jesus, did not first, here's our word, baptizo, did not first wash before dinner. The Pharisees had these ceremonies of ritual washings before activities and before meals. And and they were shocked, scandalized that Jesus did not first wash before dinner. Here's the word in the Greek New Testament. Luke chapter 11, verse 38 in the Greek New Testament. Go to that next slide. Do we have the next slide there? Nope. (laughs) Well, take my word for it. (laughs) In the the Greek, Luke 11, it says, Ha de phariseos, idon, Ethomason, hati, u, proton, and here is our word, e baptizte, proto, eristu. The word baptizte, the word is baptized, but it's translated in your English Bible as wash. Why did they translate it wash? Because that's what it meant. It meant to wash. It meant to submerge. It meant to plunge. It meant to dip. That's what the Greek word meant. And so they're using the word here in Luke chapter 11, verse 38, and they translate it, baptizo, into wash. But other times, like in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, they transliterated it, brought the Greek into English, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's brought a lot of confusion about what does it mean to baptize. That's why there's so many ideas about baptism But when you go back to the scriptures, it's very clear what the word means. It means to wash. It means to dip. It means to submerge. It means to plunge. That's what it has always meant. So there you are as a a Gentile thinking about converting to Judaism. You're living in Jerusalem in the first century. So you go down to the River Jordan and to meet your wife and to tell her what you've learned. She said, so are you going to do it? You're going to go ahead and become a Jew? He said, well, I need to think and pray a little more because it's a little easier for you to convert than it is for me. So I'm going to give it some more thought. And while you're there talking with your wife at the River Jordan, you start hearing this voice down the river. And this guy's not just preaching, he's yelling. And he's got a strong sermon. You brood of vipers, who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You go, whoa, I've never heard anybody preach like that. we got to go check this guy out. Who is that? And there are, there are thousands of people that are gathering around to hear this guy preach. And he's preaching as a Jew to Jews, his fellow Jews. And he's saying, the Messiah is on his way. The one whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. We have rejected our God. It's time to turn from our sin and get our hearts right with God again so that when the Messiah comes, we'll be ready to receive Him. And it is time to turn from your sinful ways and get right with God. And then as you watch, 
you'll see something that happens for the first time in Jewish history. A Jew is baptizing Jews. All the other centuries and all the other ceremonial washings by Jews were self-administered. They did it themselves. But now you see people coming up to John saying, I want to get right with God. I want a new start. I want to be cleansed from my evil past. I want to be ready for the Messiah. Baptize me. And John literally is baptizing people in the River Jordan. It's the first time it's ever happened. A Jew submitting himself to another Jew to be washed. In fact, so many people are doing this that John picks up a nickname. Hey, that's, that's John. That's John the washer. That's John the dipper. In your Bible, he's called John the Baptist. When I was a kid first starting the church and I heard stories about John the Baptist, I thought that just meant he wasn't a Methodist. I just thought it meant he wasn't a Catholic. He wasn't Presbyterian. I just thought that was his denomination. I didn't know that it had nothing to do with religious denominations or churches. It was just the nickname people gave him because he is John, who is also the cousin of Jesus, and he is baptizing, he's washing, he's submerging, he's plunging, he's dipping his fellow Jews as a symbol of their cleansing from their old wicked past and coming up for a new life ready for the Messiah. And then an amazing thing happens. While you're watching John baptize all these Jewish people, you then hear John say, Behold, look right there, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the people start partying their way. And Jesus starts walking down towards John. And John says, this is the one. He's the Son of God. He is the Lamb of God. He's the one who will take away the sin of the world. And then an amazing thing happens. Jesus says to John, I want you to baptize me. And John says, no. No, no, no. You should baptize me. I'm not worthy to even untie your sandals. And Jesus says, no, you, you need to baptize me. And it's got to be a tense moment where they're arguing with each other. No, yes, no, yes. And Jesus says, you must baptize me in order to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus says, I've come to fulfill every righteous command of God. I'm going to do what no one else has done. I'm going to perfectly live for God. And that means I need to be baptized by you. Did Jesus have sins he needed to be cleansed from? No. No, it was what Jesus' way of identifying himself with the message John was preaching. Jesus and John go into the water. John baptizes Jesus, places him under the water, brings him back up. And the Bible says when Jesus came up out of the water, a dove symbolizing the Holy Spirit of God comes and then the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You see, baptism was a public declaration of a new identification. Those Jews who were being baptized by John were saying, I want to be baptized because I identify with the message you're preaching that I'm sinful. I'm not ready for the Messiah, but I want to be ready. I want to be cleansed. And I'm identifying with 
you, John, in this message that you are preaching. And if you haven't heard anything else I've said today, I want you to hear this. Christian baptism is a public declaration of a new identification, your new identification with Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. Because do you know what Jesus was doing whenever he was baptized? He was identifying with you. He was saying, I have no sins, but I am the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world. And I'm going to die one day. I'm going to be placed in death and placed in a grave. But I'm going to rise from that grave. And I'm going to do it all for you to forgive you of your sin. Jesus' baptism was symbolic of his death on the cross that awaited him just three short years from that moment. His burial in a tomb and his resurrection from the dead. In Christian baptism is different from the religious ceremonial washings of Judaism. It was different from the washings of John the baptizer. Christian baptism is one's personal public dedication and declaration of identification with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. You say, where do you get that? Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, for example. The Apostle Paul would later write, Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Paul says, don't you know whenever you made your public declaration of faith in Jesus through baptism that you were identifying with his death on the cross of Calvary, death to sin, death to that old way of living, and you were buried with him and you've been raised by the Holy Spirit of God to a new life, a new way of living, made possible not by your self-efforts and your religion, but a new way of life made possible by the living Lord Jesus in you, the Spirit of God in you. That is why sometimes when we baptize people here, we will say to them as they're standing there and they go under the water, you are buried with him in baptism. And then as we bring them up out of the water, you are raised to walk in a new life. Because we're symbolizing and publicly declaring our personal faith in Jesus Christ. So water does not spiritually wash away your sin. That's just water in our baptistry. It's just water in the Atlantic Ocean. It's just water in a river or a pool or a lake, wherever you may be baptized. It's just water. It's just symbolic. The only one who can save us from our sin is Jesus. And he did it through his death, burial, and resurrection. And when we place our confidence in him, we are forgiven of our sin. And we made right with God. But we go public with that faith. Through our baptism. Now, here's a question that maybe you will ask who should be baptized? Maybe you are from a denomination where they practiced infant baptism. And listen, we have many friends who are from those traditions and those denominations and those churches. But we do not believe that infant baptism is biblical. Uh, first of all, uh, you'll never find babies being baptized in the pages of your Bible, it's just not there. Nowhere in the New Testament do you see babies being baptized. And if you want to know more about that, let us know. But 
The reason we say only people who have placed their confidence in Jesus to forgive them of their sins, who have placed their faith in him for the forgiveness of their sins, ought to be baptized. Because every baptism in the New Testament followed a person who heard about Jesus, turned from their sin, placed their faith in Jesus. Then they got baptized. You never see people getting baptized. Later learning about Jesus and then saying, yes, I place my faith in him. But that's what has to happen if you're baptized as an infant. You're baptized as an infant, but you don't know anything about Jesus, the Bible, God, sin. Then you grow up and then you say, oh yeah, I go through catechism and confirmation and I confirm that I believe. Well, you got the cart before the horse. Every baptism in the New Testament happens after a person has believed in Jesus, not before they've believed in Jesus. Now, we do baby dedications, but that's really more of a parent dedicating themselves to God, saying, God, thank you for the gift of my child, and I dedicate my child to you, and I dedicate myself to you to live for you and to be the parent that my child needs and to teach my child about you. But that's a different thing than baptizing infants. So who should be baptized? Every person who has come to know who Jesus is and who has placed their faith in him as their Lord and Savior. If you've turned from your sin and you've placed all of your confidence in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you need to be baptized. You say, well, well, does baptism save you? Don't I have to be baptized to be saved? Because there are many who teach that baptism is a sacrament that imparts grace to you. And without baptism, you just can't be saved. There again, go back to the Bible. Not what churches tell you and preachers and priests and popes tell you. But go back to what the scriptures say, what Jesus said. You remember he's hanging on the cross of Calvary? And he's flanked on either side by criminals? One on each side? And finally one of those criminals realizes who Jesus is? And he confesses, I deserve to be condemned for my sin, but Jesus doesn't. And he says, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And in that moment, Jesus says, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. He said, well, he can't go to heaven. He wasn't baptized. He wasn't baptized. Because baptism does not save you. Baptism is a symbol of the one who saved you. Jesus, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And if you can be baptized... You ought to be baptized, not because it saves you, but because it shows that you're saved. This coming February 2nd, Don and I will celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. Can you believe that? That she has put up with me for 30 years. I think we ought to give Donna a hand. Amen. <laughs> she placed this ring on my finger, and we did not know it was Groundhog Day when we chose that date, but uh, she placed this ring on my finger 30 years ago. This ring does not make me saved. This ring symbolizes, does not make me married. This ring symbolizes my marriage. Don and I were married before God and the preacher and witnesses when we made promises and vows to one another and publicly said, I do. And in that moment, the preacher said, I now pronounce you husband and wife. This just symbolizes our union. And listen, you become a Christian the moment you say to Jesus, I do. I do turn from my sin. I do ask you for your forgiveness. I do believe that you're God's son. I do believe you died on the cross. You were buried. You rose from the dead on the third day. And I do confess you 
as my Lord and my Savior. In that moment, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Baptism is that outward public declaration of your new identification with Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. So I'm going to ask you, have you gone all in for him? Has there been a time after you came to know who Jesus is and you confessed him as your Lord and Savior that you were then baptized by immersion in obedience to his command? If the answer is no, I'm going to encourage you today. Step out in obedience and do what Jesus commanded you to do. He commanded you to be baptized, to go public with your declaration of faith in him, in his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection in fact, if you want to sign up for baptism, you can do it right now. You can go on your phone or your tablet, your computer, or you can call the office. But go to our website, fcbc.life, and under the Next Steps tab, there's a place called Baptism, and you can sign up to be baptized. Or if you've just done the Let's Connect card, just put in the comment down below, I want to be baptized. And we'll contact you about scheduling your baptism where you can go public with your declaration of faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Some of you say, well, I was baptized as an infant, and I, I, I don't think I need this. In obedience to Jesus' command, yes, you do. In fact, maybe maybe for some of you, you say, I just don't know, my parents might be upset. You know, They raised me this way, and then I get baptized. Well, first of all, it's between you and Jesus. You need to obey Him first and foremost. But maybe you just say to your mom and dad, I want to thank you for being godly parents who raised me to know Jesus Thank you for your dedication of my life, but I want to go public with my own declaration of faith in Jesus. And so I'm going to be baptized to show my faith in Jesus who died for me, who was buried, and who rose from the dead. And I'm going to go public with that declaration of faith. So go to our website, sign up for baptism, and let's go public. Let's go all in for him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you and praise you for your word. Father, I pray that Today, as we think about baptism, our thought first and foremost would not be what does church tradition tell me and what did my parents tell me, but we go back to look at the plain reading of the New Testament in the example of Jesus who submitted himself to being submerged underwater in the Jordan River by John the Baptist to identify with us. How could we not then be willing to identify with Jesus? in our own baptism. So Father, I thank you that this doesn't save us. This water doesn't save us. And I thank you that I've got good Christian friends who believe differently than what I've just shared. But Father, I thank you for what I believe is the plain teaching of your word. And I pray, God, that right now that there will be someone who will say, I'm ready to go public. I'm ready to go all in for Jesus. I want to go into those baptismal waters and come up out of those waters to symbolize my faith in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection and the new life that he's made possible for me by his grace. And Father, we'll praise you, God, for them as they take their next step of obedience. I'm reminded of that old hymn that says, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And if we're looking for peace, love, and happiness, it's going to begin as we place our faith in Jesus and we obey his commands. We'll never regret that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.